0: Riding downtown in New York City I know you want to be there I bring you with me Party in the club like that track from Fitty. Cause life is so good let's go and vibe with me Riding downtown in New York City I know you want to be there I bring you with me This is what I'm doing tonight you want to do it with me this is what i'm doing tell
1: me that you'll do it well hey dtr family welcome back to dare to rise i'm your host nicole and with me as always is my partner in crime miss tina k hi nicole how are you i'm good it's i feel like it's been a minute but since i've been behind the mic so i'm excited to be here how are you doing oh
2: i'm doing well i'm excited too these these nights with you are so fabulous even though we talk Throughout I the day, um, I feel like I haven't talked to you forever,
1: <laughs> maybe like an hour ago. Maybe um, No, I love these conversations. Um, I love this platform, this family that we've cre- you know, cultivated. It's just it really is an a, a big enjoy of my life is getting to spend this
2: time with you and all of the amazing people that we've been able to meet. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, in saying how recognizing how much time we spend together on the phone, um, talking—I never talk to her. I don't know what she's <laughs> alluding to. <laughs> but uh, we even spent a couple days/slash hours this last week with one of our past guests, Carmel. So that oh. was really fun too—the wake-up call. Yeah. So Carmel Clark, if you guys remember
1: from a couple episodes back, she's a transformational coach and she's also a good friend and we are obsessed with her. She's lovely. She's magical. And Tina and I got to spend some time doing a wake up call, um, coaching session with
2: Carmel and Tina. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. And we don't really swear on this podcast, (laughs) What? I'm nervous what you're about to say. I still will hold us true to that. But one thing that I have just kept in my mind is I and trust myself. Oh, I'm all like, what you're going to say, guys?
1: Hold on. No, but it's so true. And I think that's what's so amazing about the power of coaching. When you find somebody who really is passionate and loves what they do and the intent is genuine for what they're trying to achieve in helping other people live their best selves. And that totally was what Carmel was. um, Well, one of the many things she was talking about is about people, you know, trust yourself, trust your
2: voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so easy for us to tell ourselves some stories or try and try and look for look for untruths or try or question just our judgment. And really, we really should just trust ourselves and go with it and and just recognizing there's no bad choices. It's just life's journey in the little classroom and we are already our perfect selves. We're just learning. So I loved, I loved that. It made me feel a little bit better about myself and shed a little tears understanding. I, I still have some things that I need to, to spend some time
1: on. <laughs> well, and there's, and I think that's the beauty of life's a journey. And I think another, there were so many different takeaways, um, but that would be a whole nother episode. Um, but truly I think, One of the things that I loved about it is no matter your journey, no matter your hardships, you can overcome and Mm -hmm. choosing making the choice. Right. It's about power of choice and what we choose to do with the crossroads that we're faced in life. And our special guest is an amazing storyteller, woman, mother, um, she's just an amazing human being. She aligns right with it, doesn't she? She really does. And so her story really is so inspiring about overcoming some of life's greatest hardships and still being able to turn hardships into something beautiful. We're really fortunate tonight to share with you guys um, Colette Hall's story and a little bit about her. So I wanted to share with you guys that um, Colette is an elementary teacher by degree, a silhouette licensed designer by accident, and an author unexpectedly and a life coach on purpose. So you guys, she's fantastic already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Her husband, Jason, became a quadriplegic when he broke his neck at 15 years old at the C5C6 vertebrae after they met in college at Brigham Young. University. They were married in 1992. Five years later, Jason was in a life-threatening car accident. He was in the hospital for 13 months and 10 years of surgeries and hospital stays after that. It took them 16 years to become parents and for their life, IVF is a miracle and so is their beautiful son, Coleman. Jason was an awesome father, natural salesman, gifted motivational speaker, and a lifelong conqueror until he wasn't one night he suddenly struggled to breathe. Eight hours later, he passed away in intensive care unit at the hospital. Colette was 48 years old and her son Coleman was 10. They had been married for almost 27 years. The road has been rocky. They had stood at the bottom of the mountain, looking up, wondering if they could climb it, then cracked a joke. And they started the slow ascent. They clung to the craggy outcroppings that pulled them up upward, onward. The footholds called gratitude and optimism, excuse me, resiliency and hard work. They tried not to give up even when they wanted to. Colette recognizes that life is hard, but it's also good. Colette believes that we are meant to overcome. We are meant to move forward. We are meant to achieve things. And we're also meant to grieve and have heartbreak and learn compassion and peace. This is what she does to help ambitious ambitious women navigate. She's also pub- is a published author, Messy Victories, A Story of Allowing Grief, pursuing Joy, and Rolling Forward. And with that, welcome Colette Hall to Dare to Rise. Thank oh.
3: you. Thank you so much for reading that again. I wrote it, but I still get a little emotional when I hear it. I do. So thank you. Well,
1: reading it, I was getting emotional and a little choked up, not going to lie. It's an amazing story, um, truly of resiliency and, and just strength. And I love that you acknowledge that grief isn't a bad thing to go through. Hmm. And that you can really learn from those dark moments of life. But um, before I get into the heavy stuff, I want to ask you, how have you been and how are you doing?
3: Oh, thanks for asking. I we actually are doing really well. Coleman and I, we are, you know, on our own now. The two of us, he's 12. He just started school when we're recording this. He started school yesterday, seventh grade. I mean, come on. I don't know. Seventh grade. It's like (laughs) he sincerely thinks that seventh grade is the best because they have cheeseburgers with bacon. Well, so that's hilarious.
1: So, my kids start school tomorrow, okay, which is going to be Wednesday because we're recording this on a Tuesday. My kids told me how bad they hate school lunch. And so, I'm venturing into the world of having to um, pack home lunch, which dang, I've never done. So dang, that's grade, brutal. Yeah. Wow. So, seventh grade seems like the bacon cheeseburger is where it's at. So, hopefully, <laughs> right? soon I won't have to do this homemaking lunch business. It's-
3: It's incredible. So can't wait for an amazing seventh grade year. And I am a life coach and I find a lot of fulfillment from that. I feel like it's all of my things that you read in my little bio. You know, I have a master's degree in education. I am a graphic designer from um, working in the crafting industry, like silhouette and things like that. For those of you out there who know what a cricket machine is or a silhouette machine, then you will know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I have like all these things that I have done and I feel like it's all coming together into right now. So that's what happens when you turn 50 is you do all the things (laughs) that you are like meant to do your whole life. You become, you become, isn't that amazing? I think it sounds super amazing. I'm excited. I'm 50. So yes, do it. And you have a book. I mean, come on, come on.
1: Well, and I love that you have such a wide um, range of, you know, background, right? You teach your graphic design. Um, I know what a cricket is. I do have to share, but I don't know how to use one, but I am aware of what it is.
3: (laughs) I'm not great at using them. I usually have to YouTube it.
1: Okay. But YouTube I, is our friend always yeah, in the
3: crafting but I, industry. I create world. all kinds of things for, I did, I created all kinds of things for the Cricket and Silhouette. So there's so, some fans out there. I know there are some fans that, that are Silhouette oh, or Cricket users. Oh, I yes. wouldn't doubt it. Unfortunately, it's not
1: Tina K and myself. No, <laughs> no I okay. am. You I'm are. A, oh I didn't know this. Yes.
2: Since yes, when? Yes. Yes. My whole life. Well, oh my, not my whole life. <laughs> But when I read that in the book, I was like, that is the coolest thing ever. Like, well, there were so many cool things, but I was like, how cool is that? That she worked for scrapbook companies and created paper and did all these. Like, I was like, I was having a crush, serious crush. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I think we should just like reinvent ourselves all the time. Absolutely. I love that idea. Isn't yeah. that part of life's journey? Yeah. Just right? like, I don't know, you get kind of tired of the same thing. So go back to school, learn something else. Oh yeah. You know, become something different. So
1: I love that. I don't want to be yeah. stagnant and boring. Let's, let's try something new.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah, exactly. So Colette, will you tell us about your journey? Like how you started, how you met your husband, Jason, how did you guys start on the journey that you
3: did in writing your book as well? sure sure so jason and i met after he had already broken his neck he was already in a motorized wheelchair we were at brigham young university both involved in student government and in the book the first chapter i explain how i even got to the point that i would marry a quadriplegic and it actually wasn't that hard it wasn't that hard but i do tell about that and um so people can can read that to find out more but then, about five years after we were married, he was working as a very successful financial planner, and I was an elementary school teacher. And he was on his way to a an appointment, and his front left tire blew in his handicap accessible van. So he was sent all across the lanes of traffic on the freeway, and you know, being quadriplegic in the wheelchair, he was jostled around. He had a seatbelt on, but it's not like the way that we sit in cars, right? He was a little loose, loosey-goosey. <laughs> and so he basically crushed his whole right side, both of his legs. And he was in the hospital for 13 months. And that really began a long, long road of, of recovery. And so his body was never really the same again. Let's just say it, right? <laughs> like it already wasn't great and it just wasn't the same again. And so he he had a, quite a few hospital stays and and things like that and it took us a long time for him to recover and then we tried in vitro got coleman after a couple of tries and what a blessing i mean here i am a slightly older mother and i have this child you know to be with me and we can share this life together without jason and it's we always felt like we were so blessed even though we were kind of slightly older we thought, okay, we don't have as much energy, but we have to be smarter, right? Like we have, more we, have wisdom. To, we have to be smarter than we were when we were 21 or whatever it was. And so we just kind of clung to that idea when, you know, Coleman would come and wake up at 5 a.m. I, I
1: remember those days way right? too for like, yes, I'm like, I
3: remember those Um Three, four a.m. wake yeah, up calls, and it's is, like oh, I've always been an early riser. He has <laughs> always been an early riser, and I'm so glad now. But oh my gosh, you know it's the side of the bed. 6 a.m. You open your <laughs> eyes and they're like staring at you. Yeah, you feel this presence and yes, there, you feel this presence. Are. You do. You know what I'm talking about? You feel it. You open your eyes. You're scared half to death. So, so yeah, well, I'm very, very grateful. We have been very grateful and blessed to to have Coleman with us, and he is very much like his dad, and so. Mm-hmm. He looks a lot like me, but his personality is very similar to Jason's. And I just love that. No, that's I love really beautiful. it, right? And I feel like, okay, I did 27 years with Jason. I can do this.
2: I know how to do this personality, right? <laughs> So well, yeah, and you he's post so many, cause I follow you on a social media and all the posts that you make on Facebook, um, whether it's life coaching related or tied into your family circumstances and raising Coleman and his experiences, starting school or, or losing car keys from the golf cart, like all these things that I watch and, and listen to you talk about there's, there's so much application that you take to Mm -hmm. real life and, and not twist it, but just highlight, um, how these little events can really shape our thoughts and our behaviors. And so the fact that you have this child that is a mixture of the two of you that continues, that gets to continue to carry on that legacy of, of, um, Jason and of you too. Like I love his little spunk and I love, I love how he loves you. That is true. He does. He's still sleeping. He better love his mom.
3: I just think he (laughs) better love his mama. He does. He does. Don't worry. I don't doubt it. He started sleeping in my bed after Jason died, and I thought, oh, it's going to be fine. Like Jason died in May, and I thought, all right, till the beginning of the school year, and then we'll gravitate him back? No, that was two and a half years ago. So I don't know. Is there hope in the future? (laughs) Like There has to be right. There has to be a moment where he's like, no, I'm not really into this anymore. I
1: say just enjoy it while you can. Cause I swear I keep thinking one day I'm going to blink and the kids are going to be like, uh, you're a loser. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't want to hug. No, like, no. No. So I say just enjoy and embrace every moment that they're willing to share with you.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So we are very blessed. We are very blessed. And, you know, we had a lot of hard things. I'll be honest in, in our family, in our our little family of three over the years. And so people ask me all the time, you know, Jason passed away. Literally Coleman went to bed. Jason was fine. They did their little nightly ritual where they said, you know, dad loves you. Only father loves you. And you're a good boy. And he went to bed the next morning. He had passed away. Oh my goodness. You know, and it's a little shocking, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little surprising. And Coleman is doing awesome. And I think one of the reasons why is first of all, because he just came with, with a resiliency, I think, you know, and, and stuff like that, but we taught him how to cope. Mm. Like things didn't really go the way that we wanted them to a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. And we had to decide that we were going to adjust And he had to adjust. And so I think that that is one reason why I love the life coaching so much. It's because Jason and I, like you said, Tina, we're storytellers, right? Jason was a storyteller. And I didn't know that I was a storyteller until he died. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the first post to kind of announce that he had passed away. I wrote it on Facebook. I wasn't really on Facebook very much, but Jason was. And so I thought, oh, that, that will be a good way, you know, to get the word out or whatever. And I wrote this post and it was kind of in a story form. And the amazing thing is, is I realized that that was very healing for me to think it through that way and to write it that way in that narrative form. And so I just started writing on Facebook Then I put it on Instagram as well. And then I also put it on my website as a blog post. So it's in all those different places, but I just started writing. And as I shared my thoughts and feelings with grief, it helped me with the grief.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Does that make sense? And I realized, Oh, I like to tell stories too. (laughs) I like to find, you know, like Jason and I kind of lived metaphorically. We look at life with the little moments and the little teachings and the little lessons and the little things that can relate to stuff. And so with that metaphorically, living then um jason had been working on a book because he was a motivational speaker he wanted to sell the book when he spoke to corporations and things like that it was kind of like a business leadership optimism you know goal setting that kind of thing and i was helping him i was like Whispering in his ear really loudly, like no 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 no, you should
2: do
1: this, you should do that, you know. <laughs> we were a team. <laughs> like, what is that expression behind every man is a
3: really strong woman, <laughs> super strong. That's right. So this story here is basically this Yeah, and so we had hired an editor to help him, and we were in this process, and he died. He died in the middle of it. And so I went to the editor and I said, all right, I want to finish the project, but it's going to look different.
2: Mm.
3: It's going to look different. It's not going to be the business leadership book. It's going to be our book. Mm -hmm. And I gathered all the stories of Jason's. I gathered my own thoughts and stories. And so every chapter is kind of this ping pong back and forth, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Where it's my perspective and Jason's perspective, as we teach some sort of principle. What was, it, what so, was your take on it? I it's, thought it was perfect. Oh my honestly, gosh.
1: it was like, I love how you shared that with it, that it wasn't the initial intent, but it mm-hmm. truly is in its essence, the way it should have been done. It was perfect. I oh, felt yeah. like reading mm-hmm. it. I thought it was perfect. I love getting your take and then seeing his perspective on things and how they all came into one, like how it all tied together.
2: Yeah. And how some of the stories flowed into other principles, but with a different lens a little bit, Yeah, but it really just drove you into having this, um, an awareness of, of how it applied to you guys. But I started thinking about the application to my life and, and there's principles in there. I've been applying to me personally and professionally, you know, um, it was just so beautiful. I, I was so happy that we came across it. Well, that was my
3: goal. What you just said. Well, was, well girl, was my check mark. You, <laughs> you
1: achieved. Really, though, you would read this and never think that the intent was it, was it to be two separate books. You would, to mm-hmm. me at least, when I read it, it was this was the whole intent the whole entire time, right? Is for it to be a collaborative <sighs> effort because it really did just blend so well.
3: Mm, Thank you so much. And, and the idea of getting what you are meant to get out of it was extremely intentional on my part. I am usually kind of a how to person. Okay, this is how you do it. And step one and step two. And I deliberately did not do that. Mm. So that each person could have their own experience of whatever they were meant to learn whatever
2: they were meant to apply, they could have that space mm. to be able to do that. I, I loved it. And I know we, there's so much that I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> so like, how much time do we have? Um, but the fact that, uh, you and Jason were storytellers, what attracted me to the first part of this book and you even starting out the interview by talking about, you know, Coleman went to bed and The next morning, his dad was gone. The fact that you're storytellers, but that you also look at um, breaking the rules um, and what sometimes we think that we should be doing based on what everybody else thinks. And so I want you to talk a little bit because I think it's important for our listeners and for me and Nicole too. Um, When Jason passed away, Coleman still went to school. The next day. Can you talk about that a little bit?
3: I can. Yes. And I'm actually really glad that you asked about this because I believe it defined our grief. Mm. That decision, I believe, defined our grief and our grief is still going on. It's been not quite two and a half years and grieving still happens, right? And so it's not like it's over. It's not like we've passed through certain stages. None of that. It's We're just grieving in different ways and different levels and, and all of that. But when Coleman... So I guess I should just say, Jason felt like he couldn't breathe at about 10 PM on a Thursday night. And he was already laying in bed. So he needed help getting in and out of bed and things like that. And so we had a medical aid. He'd already put him in bed. I was sitting kind of next to him. We were watching TV and I was folding laundry and he said, I can't breathe. And so I rolled him over. I was like fussing with him, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, I really can't breathe. We called my friend, my, our neighbor who is a nurse had her rush over really quick. And like, What are we looking at here? Because trust me, I had been to the hospital so many times with him that it wasn't like we just went at the drop of a hat. Does that make sense? We like there were so many things during the 27 years that I just wanted to assess. And so she came over and she was like, Yeah, let's call the ambulance. Call the ambulance. And literally eight hours later, he had gone into cardiac arrest and died. So we had been in a car accident four weeks earlier. And we didn't know that there was damage to his intercostal artery. And that night, it basically dumped half of the blood from his body around his lung. So he was really never going to make it, honestly, Mm -hmm. because his oxygen level was so low. So eight hours later, he dies. And Coleman wakes up. Our medical aid was here staying with him, but he had no idea. What had been happening. And my mom and dad went and picked him up and he called me and he was like, mom, what's going on? And I said, grandma and grandpa are going to come get you bring your backpack and they're going to bring you to the hospital. And that was so different than any other time that we had gone to the hospital. Usually it would be, oh, I'll be home in a minute and we'll visit him after school, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so he knew something was not right. He came with my mom, he had his backpack, and I told him in the hallway outside of Jason's room, Your dad got sick last night and died. And he was 10 years old. We spent time with Jason sitting at his bedside together, and then we kind of walked down the hall a little bit. But you know, when you're 10, it's not like you do it the same way
0: mm-hmm.
3: as when you're 48 mm-hmm. right right and so we we kind of wandered back and forth to his room and spent time there and then we would go to kind of this little family waiting room and other people were coming to visit and things like that and about an hour passed or so and it was getting close to school time and i said what do you want to do about school and the thing is that day was called Bend the Rules Day. And it's like a PTA fundraiser, which is an awesome PTA fundraiser. Anybody who's out there that is in the PTA, industry, <laughs> is a oh, yeah. really, really good one. My but kids you, love that day. <laughs> yeah. So you pay money, pay a little bit of money to do like things that are wrong at school (laughs) and the kids think it's amazing. Nobody has to buy product. Can I have that happen at work? Right. (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm
1: sorry. I'm crying. So I got to make myself laugh. I'm sorry. Yes. So can I do that at my job?
3: (laughs) Yeah. And so Ben, the rules day was like, you know, you can chew bubble gum, you can run in the halls, you can, you know, just like write with a pen instead of a pencil. Oh, wear a hat. That's a rebel. (laughs) A pen. And Very that, amazing a rebel. <laughs> rules are being bent that day. And so he's like, well, I don't want to go to school, but it's been the rules day. And I said, well, what if I go to school with you?
0: Mm. So we went to fourth
3: grade. The day that Jason died, and other people were attending to him in the hospital, and he was well taken care of. And honestly, I don't even know what anybody else did. All I know is that I for sure was not dropping him off at school by himself. Mm-hmm. And so I had been up all night and we went into his school. School had already kind of started by then. We went into a school. I mean, he had like his hubba bubba bubblegum <laughs> round container thing in his front pocket. That's like right. He was ready. He was ready for Ben the Rolls day. And so we went in and we talked to the principal first. Jason had been on the community council. So he New people at the school. We talked to the principal. He and the counselor came to the room. We told his amazing teacher. And then they told the class. And we sat to the side at the little teacher table. You know how they usually have like some kind of table at the side of the classroom. We sat there and he brought his computer over and did his little work and went off to recess and came back and did all the little bend the rule things that they had for him. And throughout the whole day, these little friends, these sweet little 10-year-olds would walk by that table and they handed him little notes. He got lots of little treasures from their desks as gifts. It was such genuine love. And honestly, I cannot think of a better place to be than right there where people loved us and cared about us. And I mean, what else were we going to do like sit at home Mm -hmm. being sad. I was already sad. And so we did bend the rules day and there was a moment where his class, it was time for them to run in the halls. And I said, I said, hey. I bet dad wants to race you. I mean, Harry had spent Coleman's whole life. His dad was in a wheelchair and he knew that he wasn't anymore. And so he came back after, after running in the hall and was like, mom, I think I beat dad. I, was like, I don't know. It's possible, <laughs> but maybe not. And he even went into, at one point in the library, they were having a dance party. That was another rule that was being broken. And he went into the library and his little friend ran up to his mom, who's a PTA person, and was like, Coleman's dad died this morning. And she was like, what? And Coleman said, it's okay. Let's dance. And they thought, okay, let's dance. And so... I don't think that any of that is a reflection of not allowing how we felt. But you can feel terrible and still do the thing that feels a little better. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, like I said in the book, he his dad died that day, but did he have to also miss Ben the rules day? And I, I don't know. I think Coleman later in life, he's going to look back and he's going to remember like his mom is there Mm -hmm. and I will help him with any emotion that he feels. And it is all safe with me.
2: Colette, it's such a beautiful part of the story for me. I think in um, doing what feels good, despite what other people may perceive, um, whether it's Coleman's dad dying or whether it's our listeners or, or us going through something and we limit ourselves based on what, how we think we should behave or how we should feel or show our emotions in front of people. And what I love about your whole book is not feeling Guilt for different things, like just honoring the feelings and doing what feels right, and and finding a way to still have fun and honor Coleman on Bend the Rules Day, and I it's just such a valuable lesson. I think no matter what age we are, um, yeah, to bend the rules, <laughs> bend the rules, yeah, for sure. I think you're exactly right, and it's interesting because
3: Jason and I used humor our whole lives. To overcome things, and I was just on a co- coaching call the other day where the woman was sick or it had some kind of chronic pain or something like that, and and it was very serious that this was a difficult thing. And I promise you, we had a lot of serious things, and I know that every single one of your listeners has serious things mm-hmm. in their life, and we decided to know that it's serious and then make a joke about it. Does that make sense? Like do both, do both. Like, yeah, I get it. This is serious. And then what can be, we find that's funny. What can we find that is light because they both really can exist. And it's the way that it, it helps us cope. It helps us overcome. It helps us have, be grateful, you know, and we can find that humor and things like that. And so I feel like both of those coming together is a really powerful tool. Also yeah.
2: the the grief and the opposite of that is joy and just kind yeah. of bringing it together in one, one event, one conversation. Yeah. I- yeah they
3: can exist mm-hmm. together and and they should, I think. I think in a healthy way, they should. So Colette, what would you say that you've learned through your grief so far? I I have learned how to allow my emotions. And I've practiced it. Sometimes I feel angry. Sometimes I feel sad. Sometimes I feel a little hopeless. Sometimes I feel lonely. And if I just allow it and welcome it in, what I've learned actually is that it does start to flow through me until the next time that it comes around. But the interesting thing is, like when I'm crying because Christa Saint Germain calls it a grief grenade. When a grief grenade kind of hits you and you're 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 not ready for it. Right. And you're like, Oh dang, why is it that the black Honda Odyssey van going through the neighborhood is the thing that is like getting me right now. Right. And so you feel that and you're experiencing it, you experience it. But what I have found is those are like my favorite moments because it's when I'm remembering him Mm. and when I'm feeling him. And so I've decided I really like that. And I think, I think that's probably one of my greatest things that I've learned from grief is how to allow my emotions. And then that is exactly what I teach my clients how to do is how to allow our emotions. It's what I teach Coleman how to do. Every emotion is perfectly fine to feel. We should feel them. And I think all of that is, is a really powerful message that a lot of us don't understand. Oh, I
1: totally agree with that. I think, you know, I'll only speak for how like I was raised, like crying or anything like, ne- we'll call them negative emotions, even though like what you're share- sharing, all emotions you should feel, but some things if if it's uncomfortable yeah. or if it brings up, Which we
3: can just call it that we yeah. can just say it's an uncomfortable emotion. Yeah. Than but a instead one, of right? dealing
1: with it or letting it flow the way you're describing, I think for some people, or even I'll just specifically for myself, if you feel that it's stop, right? Don't let myself feel that push it away, tuck it away, not don't allow yourself to process it because it makes you uncomfortable. But there is something really empowering or powerful of like you're saying, fill that emotion, let it go through you process that, you know, don't be, don't let fear, you know, keep you, um, you know, afraid to feel what you're feeling in that moment, even if it is uncomfortable or if it's heartbreaking or if it's scary, even let yourself just feel whatever it is you need to feel. Cause that's why you're having that emotion in the first place. Yeah.
3: Well, and it just, I like to use the analogy of like a little brother. Do either of you have a little brother? Oh yes, I do. (laughs) When you were growing up, did your, did your little brother ever want to come into the room and you're like pushing against the door and little brother is like, push, 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 push. And you're like pushing against the door. Don't come in, don't come in. And he's like screaming and yelling. Right. And then finally, like you push so hard that like the door clicks shut, but little brother doesn't go away. Oh yeah. He's resilient. He's, he's like, he's persistent. He's like laying there in front of your door, screaming for mom and crying and down saying, on the, crack let me of the floor, <laughs> poking talking fingers to you through yeah. yes. <laughs> all that stuff. And it's, that's the same thing as, as resisting our emotions. Like what you're talking about when you push, 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 push against it. No, I don't want to feel it. I want to feel it. I don't want to feel it's like little brother. Mm. And honestly, if you just open up the door and let little brother like f- fall in, right? Mm -hmm. Then he might like wander around and touch your stuff and it'll be annoying (laughs) and you won't love it. But eventually he's going to get bored and he's going to walk away. Mm. That's so true. Right. And you can close the door and he might come back, but it's a lot more work to push against the door and not let little brother in and so it's try to think of that with with your emotions like whatever the uncomfortable emotion is if you feel yourself kind of pushing against little brother like that just try opening the door letting letting it in for a minute no judgment no yelling at him and then they'll go away right And so that's what I, that's how I like to teach my clients is like, it's okay. It's just little brother being annoying and uncomfortable. Right. And then he'll walk away.
2: Yeah. And I think, um, there's those emotions that you don't want to feel. There's also emotions that you feel like you shouldn't feel. Mm -hmm. And I know that I battled with that a little bit, um, just to be a little vulnerable. I know my parents raised me never to hate anyone. And I didn't. My mom always said, you can dislike someone, but you should never, ever hate anyone. And, and then a few years ago, going through some changes in my life, I really hated someone (laughs) and I felt bad. I would talk to my therapist and I'd be like, I really hate him, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't hate him. So I'm not going to hate him um, because I should just, you know, dislike him. And it was the moment that I just embraced that feeling so I could feel it and then I could let it go. And I didn't, I didn't feel guilty about it. And I didn't keep feeling this hate either because once I faced it and could just say, you know what, it's okay. I'm not going to feel this way forever, but I still need to fill it in order to be able to go beyond it and start right. my own healing.
3: Right. Because really what you were doing is layering on judgment and guilt. Hmm. So you <laughs> yes. still felt the hate. <laughs> I'm so totally, I so totally just layered totally. and you're like layering on this judgment and guilt, and all of them are uncomfortable. <laughs> you know,
1: all. I just have to say, my mama didn't teach me that, Tina. So you know what? If you've made that list, you've made that list in my life. My mama didn't teach me that.
3: Yeah, but but that's what you experienced. Is is it's not helpful, right, mm-hmm. to shame I mean, or feel the guilt or whatever? Just feel it. Mm-hmm. And then you can have the power to let it go. Right. It's it's amazing. I think we're all, that... a, we're all a work in progress, okay? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. But I do, I do think that as we learn to own our emotions and have more control and be understanding that we manage how we feel and other people manage how they feel, that's probably one of the most powerful things that we can do for ourselves is understand that I'm not in charge of your feelings. You're not in charge of mine. So I'm just going to pay attention to what I'm feeling, allow it, manage it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm going to let you feel what you feel and I'm not going to be in charge of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot sometimes of power that's in what you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, for
3: sure. But, it, but that's where the power is. That's where the, the power is. No, I do
1: think that even hearing you say that, it was, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Like you're
3: in charge more than what you realize. You're in charge of what you actually are in charge of. Exactly. Instead of thinking you're in charge of something that you literally have no control over. Like as a mom, have you ever thought, oh, I just want them to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) I just want them to have a good experience at seventh grade. Right. Well, guess what? They are totally in charge of if they're going to have a good experience in seventh grade, and we get to decide how we're going to think about that and how we're going to feel about that.
1: It really is power of choices, right? Like our choices and owning the power in those
3: choices. Yeah, it's amazing. That's to me. That's like the crux of everything I do with my clients. And it's like when when they realize that that is actually possible for them, I can see the relief. Like oh wait, I'm not in charge. But a freedom! Of how they feel mm-hmm. liberating, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and I can decide how I feel. It's so simple, but it's it
1: so profound, right? Oh. And it's just like freedom. Oh, that oh, the light switch. It's just a, an easy like flip of the switch, right? But mm-hmm. you sometimes just need. Someone who's wise. I have never <laughs> thought wisdom. about that
3: before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just it's like, to, like I never know, realized. Just talk with you and share that mm-hmm. with you, and then it's like, oh my gosh, you're you're so on point. Yeah. Yeah, and then it comes up over and over and over a million times, and we talk it through. <laughs> so it's fine. It's fine if you believe it, and then you still need to talk
2: about it over and over again. So is it kind of like little brother. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. Not a problem. No, I love that. So That's why we have a support group here. Absolutely,
1: our family all the way. So Colette, let's. Will you share with the? I guess the thought or how you guys came up with the name behind your book, "Messy Victories." Why did you choose that title? What is there meaning behind that, or how did you come to that?
3: Well, it wasn't a we decision. Because it was you, Jason, did not have that title at all, and um, I just really thought about life, and it's not pretty. And you see in there, I almost left him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. My dad like called me after he read the book. He was like, I didn't realize. Oh.
1: <laughs> Your parents are getting all the tea. They're like, we didn't
3: know this. They're like, oh no. <laughs> you know what I'm like? It's okay. I worked through it, but you know, it was messy. We didn't always do it right. We didn't always make the right, des- the right decisions, but I still believe that we were victorious, mm-hmm. I still believe we did the things that we were supposed to do to to keep going and to have a good life and to be happy together lots of times and not happy sometimes. It was messy.
1: I have to tell you, I think that's so authentic of you to share that, because I think for some people, um, even, you know, um if a spouse passed away or not, you know, or you have a divorce, people try to act like, or even people who are currently married or in relationships, everything's perfect. You know um, there were never hard times. And I think sometimes people get embarrassed or maybe ashamed to say that. And I found that just so um, just authentically refreshing that you were like, no, it was hard. It wasn't always perfect. It wasn't always, you know, rainbows and sunshine. It took work and we had to make a choice we were going to make this work or like you had to make that choice. Like this is what I choose and I'm going to stand behind my choice and give it all that I, Mm -hmm. all that it's owed.
3: Yeah, that's right. And it's interesting because even now as I'm building my business and, and things like that, I find myself kind of slipping into this thought of, Oh my gosh, I got to do it right. Mm. What's the right way. What's the right way to do social media? What's the right way to be a coach? What's the right way? You know, all these. I will rights. ask you, is there a right way or is it just the, or
1: <laughs> should you do it the Colette whole way?
0: That's right? the whole point, right? <laughs> let do it the Colette <laughs> way.
3: I just was like caught up in this right thing. And, and, and like, if I were, if now, if I were to tell my younger self something, it would be, it's all right. See, see, that's that wisdom wisdom coming in, (laughs) right? Yeah. And when I first started coaching, I was kind of caught up in the, in the rightness of everything. And, and I decided to change that thought to, I'm just going to try some stuff. And the interesting thing about that is I, I have found that I have used it everywhere in my life. I'm just going to try some stuff with parenting. I'm just going to try some stuff with grieving. I'm just going to try some stuff with the business. I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to feel what is right for me. So like what you were talking about with Carmel, right? I'm going to, I'm going to feel what's right for me. Tune into that and keep going with it. And honestly, myself right now, I would love to tell my younger self that. Because I spent a long time thinking that there kind of was a right way. And there's like a billion right ways. Mm -hmm. And so I I definitely feel like that is a major growth point for me. Did you know you can still grow when you're 50 years old? (laughs) You can still (laughs) learn. You can still change. You can still become more awesome. (laughs) It's so great.
2: You know, I my children are young adults and they teach me so much stuff. I'm like, "Where did you get all that wisdom?" Yeah. Um, you're schooling me and I love it. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah, we are always learning. So
1: if we're not learning, are we living? Are Mm -hmm. we growing? And I think that's just what's so exciting. Um, Even about this moment that we're sharing here tonight, I'm learning and growing, hearing your story, Colette, witnessing you. um, This is just such a great opportunity. And I'm excited to see where life takes us every step of the way, because that really is part of the journey of life, hopefully, is growing and evolving and being, um better of ourselves by what we want to be.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and celebrating all the growth that we've had up to this point, right? Yeah. Like all the things and not thinking there was something wrong with it, but just continuing. Contin- we're still just continuing.
2: I think that's what makes you um, a great life coach too. Uh, just applying your life, applying um, the principles that you that you've come up with in your book, um, the principles that you identify every day as a mom, as a life coach, as um, a sister, brother, whatever, and how you share that, uh, share those principles to help us that's yearning for all of Colette's wisdom and to apply it. So
3: thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I've been, I've been filled as well today. Well, so Colette,
1: something that I could, um, that again, you were very authentic about was your battle, um, we'll call it your battle with perfection. Can you touch on that for us?
3: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of us, have this maybe tendency it, you know, I, I've decided that, that it doesn't have to be a fact. I take every personality test in like the universe. I take all of them because I love them. I love like the, the Enneagram. I love the, the I colors, know. the shapes. Still, I've, done I've done them all. I've done them all. And, and I like gathering the information because so, I'm like, oh, that's why I am like I am, you know? <laughs> right. So, but, but really like when I looked at the Enneagram one, the place that I really cared about was where it said, I'm a one Anybody out there who who wonders, I'm a one. And it says like ones at their best. Like say the things, whatever it is that, that ones are at the best. And I think that that is really helpful to try to tap into our best, right? Like, oh, okay, this is how I can be my best. But we definitely can run into trouble when we think, again, that there has to be this right way. And somehow we're failing if it's not right enough, if it's not good enough, if it's not, I I don't feel like I usually said it had to be perfect, but it was this, it's the same thing by thinking it's not right. Mm -hmm. It's the same message I'm telling myself, but almost like worse because then I'm not right. And so that's taken me some time. And I'll be honest, it it's one of my more recent growth transformations. One of my most most recent. I mean, when I first started coaching, I had hired a gal to help me with my digital marketing. She's amazing because I was still like super grieving and just didn't want to do a lot. I was doing all the writing, but she was handling everything else. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm not doing it all then I must not be doing it right. That's what I was thinking. If I'm not doing it all, then I must not, not be doing it right. It must not be good enough. She's just going to do it anyway, whatever. And, and I came up with, I have this post-it and I was sitting here that I had to work on shifting that thought.
1: That I, I love a good post-it it right. note just to share with you too. I have them too. I was telling Tina about a post-it note that I added to my collection today. So post-it notes are valuable.
3: Yeah. So I have them right here. They're actually Jason's computer. He has a desktop computer and I, and it's sitting right here on my desk and it has post-it notes all over it. So it's only here in case I have to like access something on the computer, which is rare. And so it's covered in post-it notes, but one of them says, um, we are all legit in making this happen. Meaning the people that I hired to help me. We are all legit. And then it says, I lead, I decide stuff. I have vision. I create things. I have ideas. I learn how. I ask for expertise. I do my job. I cultivate an environment for massive growth. That's a shift for me. <laughs> That feels very good. strong,
2: right? <laughs> you like feel that's it. a
3: shift from, mm-hmm. I have to do it all. I have to be it all. It has to be perfect. It has to be right. To no, this is what I do. This is what I'm good at. And I'm going to say it in capital letters. And then other people are going to do, help me with the parts that I don't want to do or that you know, I need help with or whatever. And so that has been honestly a more recent transformation in my life. Letting go of this idea that perfectionism is necessary.
2: I think that's great.
3: All of you listeners out there, if you (laughs) label yourself as a perfectionist, can I, can I just do a coaching thing right here? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So notice when you say that, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. It's going to come like that. Mm-hmm. I'm just a perfectionist. It's only a thought that you're having. It is not a fact. You think it's a fact, but it's not. And so your, your little perfectionist thing is like me taking the Enneagram test or any other personality test and like giving yourself a label. You are not that thing. None of us are any of the things.
1: We're whatever we did now.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's whatever we darn well please. So we kind of watch ourselves on stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm those labels we give us that are like, yeah, I'm just a perfectionist. I sleep in, you know, like whatever it is Mm -hmm. that we like say about ourselves. It's only a thought that we're having. And it can be changed.
2: That's great. Um, I am just reflecting on all the things that I, um, the things that I uh, tell myself that really are only thoughts. <laughs> They're not Absolutely. <laughs> Give me one. Give me one. I want hear it. Um,
1: That's Tina. K.
2: <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I am. I need to think about this. Nicole, do you have one that you can share? No, I legit say I'm a perfectionist. I do too. No, no, that's why I really can
1: relate. Again, it's that's what I always love about the power of storytelling. We may have had um people may have different journeys and different walks of life or so you know, different life paths. But when you start talking to people, there's always things that you can connect or relate to. And I always am always in awe about that. And it always um, takes me back a little bit. And I have to self-reflect like, wow, like we start talking and there's so much connection in the power of storytelling. And I do say that about myself. I am a perfectionist. And when I feel like I don't do X, Y, and Z, then I'm not good enough. So again, when we're talking about these stories that we tell ourselves, it's like, oh, well, you didn't do this. So now you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve this level of success. And I just listening to what you're sharing, we need to be really careful of the stories that we tell ourselves, because then, it, like you said, those are just thoughts. That's not reality. But when we're putting that out into the universe or, you know, giving those types of um, negative um, statements, life it starts becoming part of our belief system. And then,
3: and how do we break out of that? You know, some people never do. do. Yeah. You just get onto yourself. So now you're on and (laughs) both of you are onto each other and you're like, Oh no, you're not a perfectionist. So I see you Tina K. (laughs) You know, and so the awareness honestly is how you break out becoming aware and deciding, ah, that might not be
1: true. Right. And I loved what you said that that's not, it's a thought. It really is. That is a thought that is not my truth. Yeah. It's not a fact. It's not my truth. It's not a fact. Mm -hmm. Have you thought of one Tina
2: K? I have way too much going on in my head. Um, Give us one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I would say, and I don't know if this is a good one, but I think why would you think it's not good if it's your truth? <laughs> I'm learning from you, Colette. Oh instantly. my gosh, you guys. I would say I'm too kind. Mm, that's interesting. I would agree. And by being... Because I kind of know you. <laughs> I know. It's that it's because it is only a thought, but it's part of that. I'm too kind. So then I don't keep, I allow people to take, to get into my space. Yes. I allow mm-hmm. people to shift my boundaries because I'm too kind and I don't want to hurt. I don't like to see people hurt. So then I am too kind because I'm trying to make up for what they may be feeling, which mm-hmm. is not which is what we were just talking about, about. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah,
3: that's so interesting. That awareness right there is, is honestly our first step to shifting the belief. Yep. Absolutely. So we just had
1: a mini coaching session with Colette. Right there. We
2: did. Thank you both.
1: (laughs) You are so welcome.
2: So Colette, what excites you right
1: now? (laughs) Nice, nice caveat. I like it. But now truly though, Colette, do you share with, um, tell us what is exciting in your life?
3: What is on the horizon for you? Well, honestly, um, I feel like my life is exciting Oh, because I I do. I sincerely do. I, I love that. I am a coach because of what just happened. Like, this is so fun because I get to experience this all the time. What could be more exciting than helping someone feel relief and find some freedom? Mm -hmm. It is amazing. It's amazing, and so I I think that's the most exciting thing.
2: (laughs) Right, it is exciting. You do such a such a good job too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I I guess sweaty right
3: now. (laughs) You should be. That's what happens when we let our emotions. When we start looking at our thoughts, we get kind (laughs) of sweaty. It's totally fine, but I. Guess another, <laughs> another exciting thing is I have decided to venture out to do a couple of little things without Coleman. Uh-huh. like go overnight. And I didn't realize that I was do that I wasn't doing that until just recently. And he goes off on trips, and we do lots of trips together. But I don't usually leave. So dive into that more. Do you mean like an overnight or you mean yeah. like a vacation like yeah and, like I'm and, doing and where a does couple that of, come from? I'm doing a couple of retreats because I just you know love the coaching community and want to want to connect with some people. but I realized in making that decision I had to like think it through you know because I I could feel myself hesitating and holding back because I haven't really left him since Jason died. And we have lots of support and lots of people that can help and watch and you know all of that, but I I was like, "Hmm, that's very interesting that I have sort of subconsciously been doing that." And so then of course as soon as I became aware that that's what was happening, I was like, "Where's the trip?" <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, so you're saying the power of self-awareness.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, I don't really want to make decisions from that feeling of like, I need to be here. Slightly fearful. Not really. But just kind of this idea that I needed to be here. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Like I was clingy. Mm-hmm. And so when I tapped into that being my reason for being here, I was like, oh wait, time out. Mm. Timeout. Reevaluate. Out. But yeah, let's let's try this again. And so yeah, so I guess that's exciting. That's an exciting thing. I'm going to go away.
1: <laughs> and every and every mom should have those moments. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you, what would you say? How have you seen how much your son has grown? Mm. What, how has your son grown or have you seen a shift in him through
3: everything that you guys have gone through? That is an interesting question. I think so much of who Coleman is, he's, he's got a really big personality and kind of lives passionately and, and happily, I'll be honest. Um, but I, I have just seen, and I don't know if it's because of the age, because I only have one child. So I, it's not like I can compare, right? Like, oh, this is what they do at this stage or whatever. But I feel like he has become more independent and like self-sustaining. Like even just the other day, he told me this stuff he had arranged and worked out. And I was like, wait, what? I didn't do that for you. You know, like it was kind of a, a new experience for us. And so I'm seeing him, you know, he like, I can't be here all the time even though I said, I don't go anywhere. I, I do like, sometimes I have appointments or like sometimes I'm away when he gets home from school or whatever. And uh, he, he ha- you know, he's a, he's got a single mom now. And so he has to kind of do things. An amazing single mom. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank
1: We're you. We're going to make sure we compliment how amazing you are. Yeah.
3: I appreciate that. But you know, he has to like do stuff that maybe in the past Jason and I would have shared the responsibility. And so I am seeing an independence in him and he has a very strong sense. You know, the way I'm very open talking about Jason, remembering, what would dad say in this situation? Oh, that would be, dad would have done this right now. Oh, dad loves, he loves all the Marvel movies. And so let's talk about them all the time, you know, (laughs) and I just, I I think we, we keep Jason here with us. And so it's very natural to him to just kind of imagine that he's here and we're still together and we're moving forward. Like somebody asked me, gosh, it just seems like you're continuing. And that's what I feel like. We're just continuing our life. And Jason just is in like a different place, right? But he's still with us. So
1: I don't know if that's a very good answer, but it's a great answer. Yeah, and thank you is. for sharing that too, by the way. Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you. Mm-hmm. But I do think every child would handle it differently. Right. We all come with. different I think needs
1: and I definitely um, I agree with that too, but I definitely from reading your story, talking with you tonight, I think a lot of that has to do with how you responded as well your example, your openness, um, your off- being authentic of how you, with your emotions or how you're feeling. And again, not saying it was a, an easy moment every day, but, um, I think that is a testament to you,
3: Colette. I appreciate that. I, I like to think that too. I like to think that also. We're going to say it's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, people, people will say, oh, I don't want to break down in front of the kids, you know, if they're in my situation or whatever. And I'm like, why? I'm oh, see, asked, I cry in front of my kids all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are lots of times where I'm like, listen, today I'm just thinking about dad a lot.
1: But that makes him feel, I would think for anybody though, it makes me feel it would make me feel comfortable. It's okay to not always feel like it doesn't even matter if it's, you know, 20 years from now. It's like yeah. it's okay that I'm feeling this way. Yeah, totally fine. There's not a right way, which is so amazing like what you were saying. There's not a right way. Whatever
3: emotion you're feeling, feel it. Yeah, and all and let's feel it together. Yes, right? Let's feel it together. So, you're amazing. <laughs> You're amazing. This has been a treat for real.
1: Everybody needs to get your book. (laughs) No, really. It's such a, um, well, you're going to cry. I won't, I'm just going (laughs) to tell everybody now. Um, cause I will tell you, I was like, I am not going to cry. Cause Tina knows this about me. I don't like to cry. Um, so I'm like, I am not crying on this podcast. And then I, and then you start talking about. And then it just, the waterworks went on. And I'm
3: just sitting here going, I told myself I wasn't going to cry. Um, I feel like my job is complete.
2: You're welcome. I'm
3: not going to cry
1: because, but that's what DTR does. And also, your story is just, your guys' story is beautiful and it's raw. Um, And again, it's, I think for some people, when you think of grief, you know there's you know there's no correlation to anything positive. And your book totally proves that statement wrong, that there is beauty beauty in grief, and you can find happiness in pain and sadness too, in the end. And it's a choice. And your story is about that. And it's just so amazing. We're going to have all of this information um, for you guys in our bio. And um, before we let you go, Colette, um, we always like to ask our audience, how do you feel that you have chosen to dare to rise within your life, even though you have a book about it, but (laughs) how have you chosen to dare to rise?
3: I think, I mean, this is in the book, but honestly, I picked a quadriplegic. I love that
1: you said that you chose that.
3: I did. I picked it. And although I, that wasn't very hard because Jason was a very dynamic person and accomplishing a lot and, and things like that, especially as we got older, both Jason and I would put that in the dare to rise category. He would have too, that I picked it and we did it. And I didn't necessarily pick a bunch of the stuff that happened after it. And that's what life is all about, right? But then you still have to pick it. You still have to choose it over and over and over and over. And I think,
2: I think that's Daring to Rise. You embody Dare to Rise, girl. Oh my gosh. I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> Probably more for me.
1: <laughs> no, but really though, it really was such an honor to have you on our platform. And so um, I want you to come back. We both want you to come yes. back. I um, would love it. I would no, love it. This has really been fun. No, you are an amazing human being. So thank you so much, Colette Hall, for being on Dare to Rise. Thanks, Colette. Thank you.
2: Nicole. (laughs) Tina Kay. I just adore that conversation. I adore Colette. Um, I think I've already mentioned I had a little girl crush on her book and her. So if that's possible, I accomplished it. Because she's just
1: refreshingly authentic and her story is just so powerful.
2: Truly. Yeah, it's uh, just her book. And and I think the listeners could get a taste of the interview on what Colette brings. But the book was just so, um, so many, so many thoughts, uh, storytelling that just was application to life that, you know, anybody that's reading it can apply it to what is going to support and help them. Um, and of course, there's tears and sadness, but there's joy there's joy too. And that's what I loved about, um, what she brought today is the joy and the, um, and the grief, the joy and the sadness. Absolutely.
1: Finding light in the darkest times, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: No, I really, um, I loved her story and I was a boo baby. (laughs) Like I've already said, like, (laughs) how, how could you not, you know, cry or, you know, be empathetic to that, you know, hardship. Um, but at the same time, it was so inspiring to see how strong she is and how strong she was for her son and how much she has continued to thrive in life, right? Thrive within the grief.
2: Yes, absolutely. So what would you say a call to action for our listeners? Um, what really resonated with my heart
1: was when Colette was talking about bending the rules. Mm. I thought that was so applicable to so many things in life because we sometimes live by society's rules, right. Mm -hmm. Or how I should respond to something or a situation, Mm -hmm. how I should act or, oh, that's not what it looks like for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved bend the rules. And Mm -hmm. I think for everybody, bend the rules to
2: whatever it is that. You, what's authentic to you? Yeah. So I'm going to add a little humor to this because seriously, I think we should go get some hubba bubba bubble gum.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I forgot what that was. By the way, I was
2: like, oh my god,
1: I remember. Just
2: bend the rules, like just own it and just do something different that feels good based on what feels good for you. Instead of said that what feels authentic and what's authentic and feel feels good to you, to
1: your voice, right? Like mm-hmm. validating. And I loved what you said
2: too. trust yourself. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Gosh, when you're just chomping on bubble gum, don't you just like, maybe that's why the baseball players do it. Cause they're like, we got this. <laughs> I thought it was their tight pants. I'm just teasing. I'm
1: sorry. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> what a way to end the show (laughs) hey I'm bending the rules yes bending the rules and I am validating and being authentic to my voice and what feels right and I think everyone I would encourage everybody bend the rules whatever that looks like to you Mm -hmm. live your life it's your only life we get is this one life be true to yourself be authentic to yourself be authentic to your voice and no matter what
2: Exact, Girl, you took the word oh, out yeah. of my mouth. <laughs> I'm still thinking about tight pants, but yeah, let's. Stare
1: <laughs> no, really though. No, but we appreciate you guys as always being a part of our dare to rise family, being a part um, of this community that we are creating. We appreciate your guys' support. Remember, keep reaching out to us and email on our, on our um, website, connect with us on social media. Also remember, We'll have all of Colette's information um, in the links as we normally do. Please show support to her. Check out her amazing book. Um, Just to reiterate to everybody again, um, it's called Messy Victories and it's Colette and Jason Hall. Um, Messy Victories, a story of allowing grief, pursuing joy and rolling forward. And always remember to dare to rise.
0: Boop, boop. Riding downtown in New York City I know you wanna be there, I bring ZZ you me. Party in the club like that track from Fiddy Cause life is so good, let's go and vibe with me Riding downtown in New York City I know you wanna be there, I bring you with me This is what I'm doing, tell me that you wanna do it with me This is what I'm doing, tell me that you'll do it with me Baby, every day I'm doing, improving myself and